Welcome to the How We Create podcast. I'm your host, Carissa Moreno. I've realized that growing up in an artistic family gave me the ability to approach new challenges in life without overthinking and without worrying about the outcomes. I want to share this skill with you and help inspire you to tackle that project you've been putting off. I will be here weekly telling you about my experiences as a creative and also having conversations with fine artists, musicians, performers, dancers, and you will learn how they create, how they experiment, and how they turn failures into opportunities for growth. I know that you are going to enjoy getting a peek inside their minds and creative lives. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. It really helps. Thanks. My guest today is abstract painter Poppy Dodge, who lives and works in Petaluma, California. Poppy is a self-proclaimed color maximalist and delights in creating the perfect harmony and balance with all the colors. Her work explores her obsession with stacking color and shapes and is influenced by free-form improvisational quilting and collage. I highly recommend that you check out Poppy's Beach Blanket series on her website. It's almost sold out. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Carissa. This is so much fun for me to be here. Lovely. I follow you on Instagram. I've known you for a while and I just love what you're doing. I see you as such a prolific artist and I really wanted to start at the beginning and to ask you, what do you remember as your first creative moment and how did that feel for you and and what did you do? I don't remember one particular example. It doesn't feel like that for me. That was the way that we grew up was making art. As And like you, I grew up with an extremely prolific artist. My mom was a full-time professional artist and we all were surrounded by her art, surrounded by her studio. And my honestly, my first memories are just being on her studio floor and scribbling and playing on her studio scraps. Mm -hmm. She was a painter and a printmaker um, and a ceramicist. But when I was a toddler, she was really into making her own monotypes and prints. So she would have all these mess ups that got smudged or the colors weren't right. And we used them like coloring book pages. So she would have baskets of crayons and pens and whatever anything to keep us busy while she was painting. It was just a way of passing time in our house, making art, getting messy, always making something out of leftover scraps. Anything was a source for making art. I always loved art as a kid in class, always looked forward to it as much as I looked forward to recess. It was finally a time to just decompress. But to be honest, I really never even thought of myself as an artist. It was something I loved doing in my downtime. Mm-hmm. It was always a relaxer for me. When did that change for you? It, it didn't change probably until my mid-20s, until after I was out of college. I needed to furnish my own apartment for the first time. And I really wanted some art on the walls. I wanted to start painting. I bought a bunch of canvases and the starter kits. I was always journaling and drawing in my journal and just started making those scribbles and whatnot into paintings and then started getting super addicted to it painting as often as I could at night after work 
And that was for a few years. Started going to community college classes on weekends and at night and just got the bug and realized how much fun this was. And all I could think about was painting and I just wanted to get better. So I did the really responsible thing and going back to get another BA. Everybody's like, I'm going getting my master's and my doctorate and my law degree. I'm like, I'm going back for another BA. I ended up getting my BFA in traditional arts and um, have not looked back since. I loved it so much. That was the most impractical and the best decision I've ever made. I had a question about creative risks, but I feel like going back to get your BA was was a risk that you took, especially yeah. you're saying people were telling you, what are you doing? It was one of those things. Everybody just gave me a big smile and was like, wow, cool. Okay. It, it did feel like a risk for sure. I was 28 and there's just no guarantee, but I just knew I had to do it. I just wanted to absorb myself into understanding that craft better. How do you find your inspiration then? And how do you find your inspiration now? And how is it different? Honestly, it's a compulsion. So I don't even know if it's inspiration. And I'm sure you're like this too, right? There's this obsession and I don't really have a choice. I don't think of of my creativity is a choice at all. I have to make my work. When I go through long periods of not making it, I feel the most detached from myself. There's always something that's pulling me in. And it can just honestly just be seeing paints and be seeing my material. That's enough to make me go get excited to start making something new or continuing an ongoing series. You're approaching it from a a space where it's so ingrained in you and something that you have to do. Would you give any advice to somebody who wants to do it, who can't start? Someone who's not able to take that leap that you did. I, I really like the expression, become a beginner again. And it helps me a lot. If there's anything that you're curious about, notice the things that perk you up. If you're reading something or watching something or listening or scrolling through Instagram, if there's something that you're just like, oh, that was so cool. I'm curious about that. Make a mental note, write it down. If it's learning to speak Spanish or taking jazz piano, whatever the thing that lights you up, and it can be unexpected, give it a try. Make space at some point in your life to just try putting an hour a week. I really believe that it will start bringing new ideas. It's a spark and an excitement that's going to lead to something. And it can open up a writer's block. It can open up, I don't know what to paint next. It just because you're bringing in something new. It could be, I'm going to start trying to find two new hikes a month in my you know area that I live in. Just absorbing new surroundings, it influences you. I really believe that. Can you talk a little bit about your process and where you get your influences from? My process is totally intuitive. I don't plan out my work ahead of time. I make super colorful abstract paintings. For the past, I'd say about year and a half, they've been taking on this almost abstract quilt-like appearance. I call them color blocks and color stacks. And everything is just randomly, improvisationally stacked together. I start with base colors and base shapes and I build and I build and I build. And like maybe 20 layers later is when I've decided, okay, yeah, now it looks right. I think that my process is probably almost like pleasure in 
the wrong step. I have to mess it up. I have to make it wrong over and over again until it gets right. And I don't have any shame in that. That's what it has to be. And I make super thin layers. I like to be able to see that historical reference. I like seeing the mess ups underneath. I like seeing the missteps. I just think it adds so much beauty to the layers. That's my process. It's repetitive. It's playful because I'm not judging myself. I'm honestly having fun. And it's it's very purposeful. Were you inspired by quilts or is that just the shape that it took? Yeah, I don't know. Like I've always loved quilts. I have an antique quilt that's like one of my dearest favorite possessions. I've since bought a sewing machine and I'm teaching myself how to sew little pieces together just out of curiosity. It's like I've been obsessed with this abstract form of making them with paint. I don't know if I'm going to enjoy sewing a quilt. I don't know. I never learned how to sew. So this has actually been a complete adventure and it's it's hilarious how bad I am, but it's so much fun. I'm just goofing off. I'm so proud of you for learning how to sew. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> or I, don't, trying. I, I don't know if I'm learning. I did. I, I, I started looking online for classes. I think I need help beyond YouTube. I want to take a class and just learn some basics. Why not? If anything, maybe I can hem some pants. I'm five one. I was talking to somebody else and and we're really proponents of bringing back home ec, you know, yes. but hemming pants is not fun. I'm just going to let you know. There's nothing, there's no joy or there's fun no or, joy. Cur- or curiosity in hemming pants. <laughs> At least not I for know. me. <laughs> oh man. I don't know. In the meantime, I am making ridiculously wonky shapes sewn together. And then I flip it over to see, is the line straight? Is the, has the thread all gotten together? The things that light me up, Carissa, okay? It's <laughs> the little things. A straightly sewn line. A good. It, honestly, I like sprinted to the kitchen to show the family. I was like, look at what I've done. Like, it's a masterpiece. They were like, nice, mom. I'm like, yes. <laughs> I love this joy and this playfulness that you approach your art with. Did you ever have a moment where you have fears or you have doubts or you start to overthink the process? I have, I don't have fears and doubts about making. I have fears and doubts about why am I doing this? Existential fears of or doubts of, oh my God, it's, this is hard and I gotta pay for college. God, this is really hard. There's no guarantee sale. There's no guarantee that the things that bring me joy bring other people joy. I don't make my art for other people. Very few artists do. That's the risk, right? The risk are people going to relate with this. And as as somebody who does want to sell my work, I do worry about that. How do you answer that question to yourself of why do you do this? Why do I do this? This is my compulsion and it's my joy. I am a happier and better person doing this. I've tried full-time work. I've tried part-time work outside of art making. I'm not the greatest person at those jobs. Like I'm just not, I know where I'm supposed to be. And in my heart of hearts, that's what keeps me going. We must be a little bit crazy. There's just this blind belief and we just do it every day. We wake up and do it the same and we still may have those same doubts and 
fears, but every single morning I'm like, oh, it's good. Let's get back to it. Are we crazy or is society crazy (laughs) (laughs) that they don't respect artists more, pay artists more? I know. Maybe a combination of both, but I don't know what to say about those doubts. So many of us feel those. And I think that's what it goes back to what you were saying with society. It's, It's clearly not what is valued. It does make us feel like, wait, are we crazy for doing this? You can't help it. If this is what you love and this is who you are, it's going to happen. It's going to happen at either midnight, 10 o'clock at night after your work shift comes through you. It can't not. I was recently in a group where they were talking about this idea that's permeated our society of the starving artist. We all just make this assumption that if you're going to be an artist, you're not going to be financially successful. I don't know how that played out in your family. Would you Was your mom selling art? In the 70s and early 80s, she was making a pretty good living. Then we moved to Arizona and she had to find a new audience. Like her work changed. It was hard for her to find a new gallery. And sometimes work can take its place regionally. Her work just wasn't that desert vibe. So those were quiet years for her. But after a while, she found her group. She actually started making calendars. She joined a company called the Belvedere Calendar. They were already established. They would bring on artists and work for several years with them. Going commercially with her art really helped just bring a base income every year. And then she would do that for maybe five months to work on that calendar. And then the rest of the year, she could explore her work with less pressure. We saw the good and the bad of that. I I am constantly fighting that myth because it's all around us. I mean, good Lord, how many times have you been asked if you can do something for free? Or like, oh, I love it, but it's so expensive. It's not, right? I don't think that my work It's expensive. If anything, I I know that I have room to go up, but it's really hard. You want it to sell. You need it to sell. And yeah, it's just a constant struggle. I'm overjoyed that there's so much conversation now about the myth of the starving artist and that money matters and it's time to start valuing ourselves and our time. I'm I love it because it helps me. It helps me stay firm on my prices. It helps me also grow, go, okay, so next year, if things are going as well as this year, next year we raise them again. Everything right. about it is fantastic conversations to be had and reaffirming mm-hmm. that what we're doing is valuable and it matters. In pricing my own art and when we were doing the gallery that the art wasn't really overpriced. And if you went into, let's say a pottery barn or even an Ikea, you would find a print, a mass production print that was about the same price. I found it interesting that people would buy that without a moment's hesitation. But if you buy something original from an artist, that there was some kind of doubt that what you were getting was of value. I know, but you know what? Maybe I'm naive. I feel like that's changing. I really do. I don't know if it's through Instagram. Now people can follow an artist for a while. There's so much access to get to know an artist. You don't have to have that self-doubt or worry if you don't want to. Artists have made it, I hope, so much more comfortable to get to know them, to know the process, to understand buying art can be just as easy as shopping on Amazon. It's not a myth, people. It's really easy and it's really fun. There's nothing better than getting a painting in the mail. 
I love buying art. I love it. It's so fun. I think you're right. Social media does have its benefits. There is a, a movement that has helped artists, I think, a lot in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly helped me. It's helped me so much. Did you make that decision between a gallery or art consultant or just deciding to go on your own or how how did you approach that? It's something that I think about a lot. Not It's something that I definitely think about. I've chatted with art consultants in the past. A lot of them have been more about, I work with this client and we'll make replicas of your work for X amount of money. Like we'll put 50 X into this hotel, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not that exciting. And then with galleries, I just haven't reached out to that many, to be honest. I put my work out for group shows. I will put my work out for open calls online. I always join our local art association. If it was in LA or Wellington or here in Petaluma. So I have a connection to a gallery. I haven't felt ready for putting myself out for representation. But I think that was that negative self-talk. I think that was the doubt always talking to me. You're not ready. Your work's not developed enough. Oh, it changes around too much. Those are demons that I struggle with. But I feel like I'm ready to shed that. I feel like it's time for me to start approaching some galleries for representation. I, I really do. I have this wonderful accountability group of artists and they're all just like rolling their eyes at me. Like, come on, let's just do this already. And I'm like, there's this and I've got to do this. They're like, oh my God, you just like get some stuff together and write a letter and send an email. It's literally that easy. They're going to say yes. They're going to say no. What's the big deal? We've started the gold star rejection, 100 rejection sheet. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I have to fill it up. I've got to fill this up. That's the goal is to get this thing filled. So I need so, to just start doing this. Tell me a little bit about the sheet. Okay. So the 100 rejections, it's gold shiny stars on it for each thing you reach out to. So mine, I've already got quite a lot, but none of them have been for representation. So mm-hmm. it can be for just throwing your work out for local shows, for PR, for whatever you're putting yourself out there for, and you get rejected. You get the oh, thanks so much, but no. Oh, yeah. No, no. Oh, we're so glad you applied. We went with these three people or 8,000 people, all of these different things that we apply to and you invariably get rejected from. It's all part of it. I think that's also a little bit of the madness we were talking about too. We get a billion times more no's than we get yeses, but we still are just like, "Mm, I can't wait to do this all over again this morning. Sincerely, sincerely, that's 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 gotta be a part of this insanity. I never really thought about it like (laughs) like oh you don't like it you don't like it you don't want it you don't want it okay Uh, okay I'm gonna go make another (laughs) you're gonna find your audience I believe it I just know it that's the gold star right you're celebrating the fact that you're putting yourself out there you did that's what it is. That's what it is. For us, it's the more momentum that you put out there, the greater chance there's a yes somewhere in this madness. So just keep going. Keep gathering those gold stars. Keep gathering the gold stars. Yeah. I've literally got it on my wall. I've had, I have all my little like inspiration and I've got my 100 rejection list. People walk through and they're like, wait, you really do this? I'm like, I really do. It makes the rejections fun. I'm like, oh, I need to put another star up there. I got to fill the sheet. <laughs> 
I'm very goal oriented. I love it. I love it. I wanted to ask you about mistakes and someone turned this question around on me and I actually don't believe in mistakes in art. And I get the impression that you might be the same. I was talking to another person, a maker who is saying that it's that we need to change our approach to the term mistakes. Yeah. In our society and in our minds, we think that it has a negative connotation. I wanted to ask you what your thoughts on that are and if you have a favorite tool for fixing mistakes. You've already said it. I I do not believe in mistakes. And if there's a tool for fixing mistakes, it's perseverance. That's all that it is. It's flipping the switch on the negativity. I think mistake has a negative connotation. Everything is a learning opportunity. And I also was thinking about what what are my mistakes? I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't know what I would call a mistake. As you're answering, I was thinking back to when you were describing your process, where your process was about building. And Mm -hmm. that layer was not your vision. That first layer, that second layer, that third layer wasn't how you saw the piece as finalized, you said that they were mistakes, I think, that you were just building over mistakes and building over mistakes. And then you still, you want to see them. Especially with paint, it's pretty. I guess when I was interpreting your question, I was thinking larger mistakes than actually make things that you make with your art. Big things that you, like with art, I don't care about mistakes. Literally, I don't, it's acrylic paint. You paint over it or you wipe it off. I don't have any feeling of preciousness at all. Everything can be painted over. There are no mistakes with paint. So in my opinion, just have fun and it's okay. The less pressure you put on yourself, the better. And so I guess when you asked that question, I was thinking, should I have moved back to America? Like like big fundamental life mistakes. I just don't see art making. I don't see mistakes in that. I agree with you. And I that question is however you want to interpret it. Really, part of what I wanted to get at in this podcast was that those lessons that we learn in art are transferable to those big life lessons. Like hmm. if we can find the beauty in the layers of what someone might consider a mistake in paint, can we find the beauty in the layers of what our life choices are? and how we approach those and, and reflect on them and move forward. Yeah, nicely said. It is. It's all about, in my opinion, just one foot in front of the other. There, I have like little words that come to mind when I am trying to pet myself up on days where I am feeling a bit overwhelmed or lost in the woods of it. And forward, the word forward is just, it always comes up for me. And I'm just like, forward one foot forward in front of the other mentally move forward just constantly have forward momentum I just push yourself through it I think that's wonderful advice to end on yeah thank you so much for this conversation it's really been wonderful do you want to I'll put it in the show notes but where can people find you my website is poppydodge.com and you can find me on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at Poppy Dodge Art. Thank you so much for having me, Krista. This was so much fun. Thank you. I miss our old Art Studio C days. So it's fun to see you and chat about art again. 
Here's some inspiration from today's conversation. Bring something new into your life, anything, to spark ideas. Even if it's a new surrounding, it will influence you. Number two, you can be bad at something and have fun doing it at the same time. Number three, find pleasure in the wrong step. Number four, money matters. Value yourself and value your work. And number five, how can you move forward today?